If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. Project Runway, you know, where is Project Runway? Remember the heyday of Project Runway when it was just before it went to Lifetime and then returned to Bravo? I just, I love Project Runway. Well, I figured, you know, we have to have at least one Project Runway contestant on here to really tell it like it is. What is it really like behind the scenes? Heidi and Tim Gunn. What about Christian Seriano? I mean, the most famous winner of all time. Really, we talked about it all when we had Suede on. Remember Suede with the blue hair? I do. This chat originally aired January 25th of 2021, over three years ago. It's another one I feel is lost on our feed. We don't do enough coverage of Project Runway here, so kick back and hear all about Tim Gunn, Make It Work, and all about what it really is like to be on and be a contestant on Project Runway. Mr. Suede. Hey, everyone. This is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only from Project Runway, Suede. Hey, David. How are you? I'm so honored to be back behind the velvet rope with you. What is going on today? Oh, well, I've made a huge career change. I came to Ohio to care for mom who sadly passed and uh, really kind of destroyed my life. But I come out of that depression after a few years. I'm in real estate now. Since March, I've done about $4 million in business now. So a whole new career, a whole new suede, and uh, a whole new life to ad- adventure with uh, people like you and everyone. Oh, my God. Okay, so we have, let's, so you moved, so you lived in New York up till yeah. your mother got years. sick. Wow. And, w- and you used to live right near me, right? You used to live in Chelsea? Yep. I was on 18th between 8th and 9th by the schools. I was there. That was my first building I moved into when I came to the city. Did you love being a Chelsea girl? You know what? I don't know if I could go that far. I love the city and everything that it had to offer. Um, I would say once I did the show, it kind of changed my perception of being that close to so many people. So I bought a mountain house outside of New York, which is over 30 acres. And I can kind of escape and reground to, you know, being myself. But it was a, it was definitely an experience not being able to go anywhere without people being like, Suede, Suede, Suede. It's, we're going to talk about the power of TV because that's, that's a whole discussion. So now you're in Ohio. In the house I grew up in, nonetheless. Wow. A little bit of a challenge because, you know, so many so many memories with my family and um, don't really have any of them left anymore. Dad died when I was in my uh, 20s and then mom just left and it was kind of, you know, I was sitting here up in Seven Hills, Ohio and I was soaking out in the jacuzzi, the giant outdoor six-person jacuzzi, huge in-ground pool next to it and I'm 
thinking about, you know, having to make that trip back to New York City to my one bedroom apartment. And I thought, why do I keep doing this? Uh, so I got out at the right time though, before the virus. And my heart goes out to all you guys. I've lost so many friends and it's just scary. Well, especially now, I mean, I'm telling you, I have days where I'm like, I don't, it's, it's weird. Like New York is still, it's alive. I mean, people are out, there are people here, but you know, you just have days where you're like, you live, I mean, like we just went from 11 o'clock to 10 o'clock. So now at like 10 o'clock, everything closes, which is okay. I mean, that's like a normal city, but like the reason you live in New York is so that you can be out till four o'clock in the morning if you want to. So it's, it's a little weird. You're just like, why am I paying to live here? But I like the days blur together. You know, it's like, what day? you know, sometimes I'm like, wait, what day? What day? Totally. Now, so you, I imagine you weren't born suede. I imagine that was not your birth name. It was not. My birth name is Stephen Whitney Baum. And I was the only guy in a class of 16 when I went to Kent State University. And we were totally stressed out. We thought we knew what stress was. And, you know, then I did run away and I learned what stress really is. But I gathered all the ladies. Come on, ladies, let's all gather around the swatch bin. Everybody has to pick a piece of fabric and you're going to be that fabric for the day. So everybody had, you know, whatever it was, velour, or I had a friend who was in a mood and she wouldn't do it. And she's like, I'll just be this piece of tracing paper. So to this day, I call her Trossing Paprikash. But that's where suede was born. I picked up a piece of suede and that was when AOL started. So my nickname on there was Hunky Suede, which I still have. So that's where I became suede. And you just like, you loved it. And you're like, I'm just going to stick with this. Well, I kept it until I moved to New York City to work professionally. And then I thought, uh, I don't know, are people going to get it as suede? So then I went back to my professional name because I'm trying to respect the trade, right? And I got about as far as I could get. I was creative director with Jordash, Lee Jeans. And I just thought, you know what? There's got to be something else. And I had a dream. Tim Gunn came to me and said, suede, we need to see if you can still make a dress. And so I, you know, I jumped up, found some fabrics up in the middle of the Catskills in New York, and I made a gorgeous black uh, evening dress and did it in a short period of time. And I thought, well, let's give it a shot, see what, what happens. Did you always know, like, growing up that you, like, was it ever anything else you wanted to do, or was it always fashion? I wanted to be an actor. Uh, I had no interest in fashion, to be honest. I was involved in the theater with in high school and you know we know how serious that really is but to, at the time it feels really important and really big but um i was going to go to baldwin wallace which is a school out in ohio uh and i was going to study musical ther- therapy and musical theater and it just got it wasn't the right fit and i thought well i'll go i'll go see about kent state university's fashion school and i loved it and it ended up fitting really well with my dramatics and you know what I bring to the table and I excelled really quickly and then of course when I got to New York I just started climbing the ladder. And was it always New York? I mean I guess if you go into fashion that's the obvious choice. It was New York for me because well I you know you can do Los Angeles and now the market's so you know everywhere because it's been butchered so terribly because of the economy but when I graduated, it was New York, it was LA. You know, a lot of us dreamed about Europe, but not so easy to get overseas without a job or a sponsor and find one. So to me, New York was obvious because it wasn't that far from where mom and dad were. Um, and that's what I dreamed of. You know, I remember the first time I got my Village Voice newspaper and 
you know, I just start reading and looking at the apartments. And I, I have a dream. I remember to this day, I ended up with this really great townhouse in Greenwich Village. And there was some man who would always come and play the piano at my house. Like, don't know who it was, but it was a comforting dream. And, you know, I did get to move to New York and I lived in Chelsea in the heart of it right by you. So it's a special place. I mean, it's true. Like people who I think don't live in New York, don't realize like how obsessed we are with real estate. Like I, I mean, that's why I love personally, I love all the real estate shows. Like I'm just, you know, it's like real estate porn. Like your mind goes there of like, oh, well, you know, like if I just close my eyes, maybe I could live in that like $40 million townhouse. And this is what my life would be like. And let me just picture that for a minute. Right. I agree. I mean, I remember the first house I looked at, I was thinking of buying when I shortly after I moved to New York. And of course you're going to jump through the screen and like strangle my neck. It was an $85,000 elevator building, top floor, skylights. They wanted $85,000 for it in the city. And I thought, oh, no, I can't do that. (laughs) That was a mistake. Could you imagine? I I can't. (laughs) So you got here, you interned for Jeffrey Bean. You worked, like you said, like at Jordash, All Navy, Polo. So you've worked at a lot of exciting places. A lot of imports. So like you were living your life and then, well, before Runway, like, did you rock, did you watch Project Runway before you got on it or applied? So of course, yeah, I had seen it the first season, um, you know, and, and it kind of just starts playing in your mind. And I had auditioned prior, I just didn't get cast. Um, but you start thinking what that kind of platform can do for you. And um, not until we get cast do we realize you don't get paid to do it. And, you know, I thought, oh, there's got to be helpers backstage. There's no way people are making these dresses. And it wasn't. I mean, you literally, there is a phrase that was coined properly. You have to make it work. You have to find a fabric. You know, you have to be able to execute something. And for me, it was a real challenge because I hadn't sewn in 15, 20 years because I'm an import designer, aren't I? Everything goes overseas. It's made. It comes back. I perfected their in-house, but everything, bulk, samples, everything's made overseas. So it's quite a difference from, you know, going that type of professional environment to, hey, why don't you go on down to the grocery store and make yourself a dress? So that's what you did, like, when you worked at all these places, like, you were the designer, it went overseas, they yeah. sewed it and made it, and then it came back. So you weren't doing any sewing or anything like that at no, all? No, gosh, no. The, the only job I ever had where... Uh, I had an in-house sample maker, which was, believe it or not, one of the most creative jobs was I worked for a division of Berkshire Hathaway, and it was called All Built Uniforms. Now, they would have us come out to all the casinos in Vegas, Atlantic City. We did the launch of the Hard Rock, but asked us to make different sections of those costumes. And the most fun at all was the cocktail waitresses because the, you know, the little more risque and, you know, nip, nip slip and all that kind of stuff. They love that look. So you could really like let your mind go from a really creative, sexy standpoint. Uh, And that was always exciting. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle 
that gets you high. Yet. That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloud.co slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, I always start out the year with such lofty financial goals. Look, tax returns are coming soon. We're getting over holiday spending, and I like to have my financials in order at the beginning of every year. That's why I use the Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. If you're looking for a credit card that helps you build credit, this is it. What I love best, and I've never been able to find this before in a credit card, is that there's no annual fees, there's no interest, and there's no credit check to apply. So you can access over 60,000 fee-free ATMs. You can pay your friends through Chime, whether they're Chime members or not. Start building Building your credit, open a Chime checking account with at least a $200 qualifying direct deposit to get started. Get started at Chime.com slash velvet. That's Chime.com slash velvet. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp NA or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and over-the-counter advance fees may apply. Call 1-844-244-6363 for details. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on payer. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. And then, so did you have, well, first of all, how many seasons did you apply for? You said you applied. Did you apply like every season, just one season? I applied, I think it was the second season. And I got through to like the last set of interviews And I wasn't comfortable with who I was, to be honest. I dyed my hair, so it was like a brownish color. I wore a suit. You know, growing up in the Midwest, we're not really, we don't think in terms of like maybe how I look now. We think very reserved, right? So I tried to make myself what I thought the world wanted for me. And Tim came up to me and he's like, listen, I really love you. I think you're really cool, but I don't know what to do with you. And it kind of spoke to me in my head and I was like, I I get it. You know, like that's, I'm not being true to myself. I'm trying to be somebody who maybe I'm not. So let's give them full on suede. So the next, next year I tried to audition, but it was the last day and they had already cast. So I didn't even see anybody. So then I, you know, I had that dream and it was season five and it was going to be the last one on Bravo. And, you know, there was no idea where the show was going after that. And I thought, you know what, screw it. Let's try it again. And I did. And, that's that's 
shocking that, well, not shocking, but like, that's interesting that you thought that way. Like, even though you lived in New York and it was fashion. And like, if you look at season one, like Austin Scarlett, like there were some people that were not traditional in the first season, but it's interesting that you still thought that. But I mean, I, I I get it. Securities. And I, you know, I, I really probably pushed that back to, you know, growing up in the Midwest and not really having the openness that you have in New York. I mean, I literally went from a state where it wouldn't be uncommon for me to be walking down the street and have somebody yell something at me to going into a, you know, New York city where people embrace you no matter what. And that's what I loved about that. I've even had situations in New York where I've gotten yelled at. You know, we're, we're in that time frame now where it seems to be okay to hate again, which, you know, I'm sweet all about love. So you'll see that I wear my heart on my sleeve and I don't literally <laughs> Literally and figuratively, as you hold up your arm, is that a real tattoo with all these hearts? Oh wow! Real. I love it. Awesome colors. So, did you know? Did you know anyone? Like, did you have any friends that were on the first like four seasons? Just like from being in New York, I did not. So, uh, I ended up subsequently becoming really good friends with Wendy Pepper, who I miss her. She passed away, and uh, she was lovely. And even though she came across so tough on the show. You know, she she was not that person. She was very full of love and a wonderful, wonderful human being. The cast used to call us Swendy because everywhere she went, I went, vice versa. So we were Swendy attached at the hip. But I was blessed enough to become very close with Leanne Marshall, who won our season. She actually was my check earlier for hair and makeup. I said, Leanne, am I okay? I'm about to go on with David. She's like, yep, you look great. So after the fact, I became friends with people, but not really before. I love it. And literally, that's what happened. You woke up and had a dream. I mean, you have a dream about this apartment. You had a dream with Tim Gunn saying, like, coming back and try again. Yeah, he said, you got to audition for season five. And I thought, well, let's make sure we could sew still. <laughs> did you know at that point was like, because I can't remember, did you know it was the last season on Bravo no. or that? No, we didn't really know what was happening. We just knew there was a lawsuit over where the show was going. Uh, between NBC and uh, A&E, I believe, which is Lifetime. So we just knew that. We, we also had, were told up front that there probably would be no promo signs, which we all but were bummed because we were all looking forward to having our subway sign or, you know, one of us on the buses. But sadly, that didn't happen. But, you know, you cannot imagine when you hear the show at the time had like 7 million viewers or whatever. You think of the whole United States and you're like, oh, that can't be that many people, can it, right? I mean, you walk down the street and you've got to allow yourself an hour to two hours to get anywhere just because these people, they recognize, you know, and the show really promoted talent. Anybody who gets on there was super talented, regardless of where they made it, you know, in terms of the show, you have to be. So I, I appreciate everyone on there. I may not like them all, but they all have talent. Is that why you did it? Like, I mean, other than the stream with Tim Gunn, was it really like, this could be a great opportunity? And is that like, is that the perception like in the fashion community? Or was it at that time, like kind of like if you're a not a known designer, this really could change everything? I think that was my hope. Um, I think, you know, in retrospect, the industry doesn't respect the show, which is, is what it is. And I think it kind of deviated from what it was back then because now I mean kids are smart they're like oh okay I can learn how to make 12 different pieces and just be able to pivot on those 12 ideas and do whatever I need to do 
when I did it, it was very organic. I did not prepare to make certain garments. It really was organic as to what I felt at that moment. You could see some of the struggle with, with some of us where we're, you know, we're given such little time, such little resources, so much pressure. And you really, it's hard to get past that and to think clearly. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see that. And this time when you went back, it was full on suede, like blue hair, no suit, nothing. When I auditioned the next time, uh, Tim was out. So I didn't get to have him on the, uh, the team who was deciding. Christian Siriano was there. Um, I think somebody from L. there were some other people. Uh, it was, you know, it was not an easy process. They're very tough. They tell you right then or if you're moving forward or not, but you can't tell anybody. So I knew I was moving forward which was great. And I think about two or three weeks later, we got a follow-up and I happened to be at Kent State University, which I have a lifetime endowment there. I was there to select the scholarship winner when I got a call from the Magical Elves that I had been cast. So it was pretty, pretty exciting time. So that's when I found out I was going. But prior to that, they do fly, did fly us out to LA. We had to meet with the network execs, producers. So it was a huge boardroom of people who just like throw questions out. When I went in, the first thing the guy who brought me in said is, hey, is Suede here to rock it? And that's how I ended my video audition. Uh, and so I just kind of went into that thought process. And for me, it was more about separating who Steven is versus who Suede the public person is. Because, you know, we all have, you know, those parts of us that aren't really made for public. And for me, it's easier for me to be swayed when I'm out in public and I use swayed now in real estate. Um, and, you know, Stephen is for me at home with my friends and family that I have around me, you know, to, to fight with, to love, to talk passionately. And that, that's kind of why I made that difference. And when you got it, like after being flown to LA, sitting in the room with all these executives and got it, were you just like, holy shit, like this is amazing. Like were well, you excited? at that point, they flew us home. And in my, my mind was, I nailed that audition. There was nothing I could have done differently. I went into the suede person. As I see him, there was no direction given. Um, I sometimes speak in third person, I'm quirky. You know, that's why people were drawn to me. Love me or hate me, I'm just quirky. That's just who I am. And uh, uh, it was, you know, I realized that even if I didn't get it, I had given my all. And it was an opportunity worth trying. And if I didn't make it, nothing lost. And then you got it. And you finished fifth on your season. Yes. So did you, like, what did, well, when you got there, first of all, did you feel you were at a huge disadvantage? You mentioned, like, you didn't sew. Like, was that evident right away? Or you kind of just... Were you like, oh, shit, I'm behind the eight ball here? Or now you kind of... No, I I think I was a little probably just a, a little bit not in reality yet because you see all these people and you know I, I had watched the show obviously and I just in my mind I just didn't see how they could actually do everything they did in the time period so I think I was more kind of cruising on like when, where are the sample makers when are they coming all in you know and, and as you know it goes through you realize hey <laughs> this is it you better you better make it work and that was you know like I said a very true phrase and you get there and they literally go through every piece of your belongings to make sure you don't have any tools, any materials, anything that could give you an advantage, literally through all your medications, you know, they have everything. So it was weird. 
Is that how it is? Like you literally, because you watched it and you're like, how could they finish this in 24? You literally thought there was a team behind the scenes. I I mean, you know, I I come from a, a, you know, I went to Kent State's fashion program and everything about that program is literally professional. It's how you professionally finish a garment, how you professionally present, you know, all that goes to the wayside when you're making a garment and, you know, 10 hours with grocery store materials. It's, you know, and, and you have to be able to let that go. And I think a lot of people, you can see them struggling with that. Like, oh my God, this is supposed to have a facing or this should be fully lined. And you just, you know, or I should make a pattern. I, you just don't have time. I literally would throw the fabric onto the, the dress form and just start cutting and hope for the best. You just don't have time to make a Muslim. Wow. And then when you get there, where is this check-in? Like at the hotel? Like they literally are like, because remember there there were certain, I don't know what seasons, there were seasons. Remember there was that scandal where someone brought something or had yeah. help or all that yeah, that came. I was on after that. And I think that's probably why they literally went through all your belongings. I had specific uh, bobbins that would help you do like a blind hem, you know, and I said, I don't mind sharing it with everyone. Nope, you can't have it. So, I mean, even things to help you with finishing touches that would be available to most designers, we couldn't have unless everybody had the same one. So, you know, it, it, huh. it did make you feel at a disadvantage and me even more so because I hadn't sewn in 15 years or so. I, you know, it's just as an import designer, conceptually and, you know, with merchandising, you think out the collection, but you know, it's a skilled hand to be able to sew all that. It's, you know, they don't always work hand in hand. The creative talent of a designer is not always the meticulous hand of a sewer. The sewers and pattern makers, they are our lifeblood. Have we redone that show and we each had a pattern and, you know, sample maker? I could have gone further, but, you know, with my own specific talents, I, you know, it got me far enough and it got me to a name that people remember still to this day. And that's how I- Well, Suede, you know, properly chosen. I mean, no one's going to forget that. And it does tie into fashion very well. Yes. You guys know I've been so honest with you about my weight loss over the past few months. Look, I've struggled with my weight my whole life. There's so many diet plans that say, do this, don't do that. And none of them have ever worked for me. That is until noon. Noom realizes that with weight, one size does not fit all. They take into account each person's individual needs. Noom builds personal plans that takes your specific dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs into account, and then they build a plan that works for you. Noom uses a psychology-based approach. They focus on the why. They believe that losing weight starts with your brain, so they focus on why haven't you been able to lose weight. They really change the way you think about food. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. So when you get there and they go through this stuff, I'm just so curious. Like, it's literally in the hotel. Like, let's open every suitcase, every we medicine. Parsons. We got to Parsons first. Um, oh, wow. They filmed everything in segments, but we got to Parsons um, and that was where our first meeting place was really to talk. And then they filmed us in groups going over to, I can't remember what the name of the hotel was, but whatever. Atlas, maybe, I think. It might have been that, yeah. At that time, um, yeah. 
Yeah, so I remember one of the girls from Three's Company was in that building. She would ride the elevator with us. Really? Yeah. Like Joyce that, DeWitt? No, it was the one that uh, replaced Because it, it wasn't Suzanne Summers, that I can tell no, you. It, it was one who replaced her. Um, Jenny, Jenny Lee Harrison? No, I wouldn't. Yeah, I it was Jenny Lee Harrison. Maybe it was, I don't know. But yeah, oh. she was in that building and we would all get all excited when we were on, you know, she's so nice though. That's a good person to get excited about. Yeah, and you know, in the morning you're on the elevator. It's cool to see her. I was like, I don't know who it is, but I can tell you it was not Suzanne Summers. It was that not Suzanne Summers. Thigh right? master, Suzanne Summers is far from living in any rental building. Right. <laughs> um. So okay, so you get there. You get. Did you think you were going to get farther? Did you Did you get farther than you thought? Was it much harder than you thought? Was it easier? I mean, I guess yeah. you've already implied it was harder. Um. I didn't know what to think, honestly, in terms of how far I'd get. Um, you know, let's let's be honest, it's TV. We watch it for a reason to be entertained. Uh, and I knew that, and that's why I did the third person thing, because I'm weird. And uh, listen, for me to try to explain all my weirdness to you in, you know, a 10-minute video segment isn't going to work. So third person is where it was for me. And that was, you know, the one thing that people were like, oh, my God, that's the crazy hair color guy who talks in third person. So that kind of is why I did that. It was my shtick. I knew I didn't fit into any of those types, the backstabber, the screamer, the crier. I made my own type, which is, you know, very much me. I'm okay with weird. I personally yeah. have no problem with I that. that my friends. I mean, did you, was it obvious that, I mean, not even for yourself, but was it obvious amongst the contestants of like, Leanne Marshall's going to win. You know what I mean? Like, was it obvious who was going to get far or no? Like, each week you guys were just, like, shocked. Yeah, I think really you just saw people, and, it you know, it was was a guessing game. Sometimes we'd go in and think, you know, the judges were going to go one way, and they totally went the other way. So it it was not easy to tell which way we were going at all. And you guys were paid, like, nothing to be there. Nothing to do that show. Um, you know, and once you're eliminated, at least on our season, you are sequestered. So whoever gets sequestered, they start paying them once they're eliminated because they have to, you know, feed themselves and they have a hotel room, but they're not allowed to go home. So um, I got eliminated on like the day before we all got let go. So it didn't, you know, for me, it wasn't a whole lot. And I still got to show it Fashion Week. So I, I was... I was happy. So that's how it is. Like if you're first out or whatever, you get sequestered because you can't go home to your family. So they, or whoever knows you're here after a week. So you obviously didn't win. I don't know if they still do it, but obviously back then, I mean, we had just come off of Christian Suriano season, which you know was like huge because he's such a strong personality. Um, The bloggers, everybody were watching. So they knew where we're filming. You know, we're in New York city. It's not hard to, follow a bus and knock off, oh, well, these are the people who came out who didn't come out. So yeah, we, they had to follow us a lot of, to a lot of different places just to, to mimic that they were doing the same things. Right. And then that's when you get paid, like when you're sequestered. Yeah, which didn't happen for a lot of us. Were you cognizant of the filming or no? Like it was just such a tough competition that the cameras being there, you forgot about within a minute. I mean, no, you don't, you don't forget about it because you got, you know, you've got the, the packet on your leg or wherever you're wearing a sound mic, uh, you're taped, you know, they have to change the battery. If you do something where you're, you know, making a sound scratching then you know, they tell you, 
Has anyone else had major drama in hiring for their business out there? How great does it feel to finally find the right qualified candidate and close out a job search? But what if I told you you could get rid of the job search and just match? You can with Indeed. Indeed is a great matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. I was able to hire the last ad sales rep that I hired within such a short period of time. Before Indeed, this would have taken me days and weeks, sometimes even months. Do you know that in the minute I've basically just been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide, 23 hires. Right now, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsor job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash velvet. Just go to Indeed.com slash velvet right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash velvet. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Is anyone shopping online right now? I know you guys are. Well, listen, stop. You need to shop with Rakuten. Rakuten is the most rewarding way to shop and save because their members earn cash back on everything that they buy. I just bought a ton of new supplies for this podcast because I was out of pens and paper. I, I like to get everything at once. And I went to Rakuten and I went to Staples and now I got cash back by buying these things I would have bought anyway. Rakuten is a shopping platform that partners with over 3,500 stores across every category. Beauty, clothing, electronics, home, department stores, pets. You're already shopping at these stores anyway, so it's a total no-brainer. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop. I just got all my supplies at Staples and they're on the way, but look, you could shop at Macy's, Adidas, Walmart, Bloomingdale's, Sephora, Expedia, all on Rakuten. So don't you want to earn cash back when you're shopping? Go to Rakuten.com. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.com. They had people writing down everything we were doing. You know, the only time cameras off is if you're sleeping or you go in the bathroom. Um, no, so you don't forget that's happening. And, you know, they get some really great angles. You could be sitting there working on the table and they'll hop right up and, you know, and you just got to keep going. And I think we're also stressed out. It's a little bit out of our mind, but you can't forget it because there's literally so many. And as the cast gets smaller, you get more camera crew assigned to you. Right. What was the hardest part about it? Just the fact that you couldn't or that you didn't sew and that you had a, or was there other harder parts? It was probably more frustrating because, you know, it's like, while I can sew, I'm not a seamstress. You know, I, I, you could tell I can make things, but when you're striving for the way you're taught, to be this impeccable garment that you could go down to Bloomingdale's or Barney's and pick up the rack and you're putting something together that has no lining and you're flipping the, you know, the right side back and stitching in the ditch and hand sewing the closure because everything's falling apart. You know, something in that takes away your belief in that garment because it's, you know, it's not right, but end of the day, it's a runway show. And it was before they went up to look at the garments. I mean, really it was, you know, if we could all take that, the hard work that needs to go into it out of our mind and just think beautiful for the runway, um, you know, maybe that would have been a smarter concept, but I couldn't get past my schooling. <laughs> was it like survival of the fittest? Like, you know, now you keep in touch with people when you were there, were you just like, I hate all of you, you're all my competition? Or is there, because it really seems like some people get along, but I mean, I would probably be like, I hate you all and I just want to win this damn yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, every day. And like, you know, we talk about weekly challenges. These aren't weekly challenges. These are daily. We go back to back. So when we have, you know, we started a challenge this morning. When you see that runway show that, that you know, looks like it was a week later, it's literally the next day. We go through that whole uh, spiel with the judges, elimination. Nobody really knows who's getting eliminated. They had separated us at the time. And then we restart the next challenge that same day. And whoever's not there, you figure out, oh, guess who got eliminated? So it was exhausting. I'm the type of person who always has to be in my bed to sleep. I got to the point where I could fall asleep in the chair waiting in the back room. I was that exhausted. It sounds like it. It's exhausting. Do you think, because I've talked to like people from other reality show competitions, like do you, did you ever think that the eliminations were not based on merit and there was ever an element of like this person, like, okay, Christian Siriano, like, I mean, he's brilliant, but he made good TV. Like, did you ever, and not even the winner, but did you ever think week to week, this person's being kept because they're great TV and it's, you did. I mean, I think I, I benefited from that as well. I mean, you know, let's face it, you, you, but keep in mind, this is all filmed prior. So it's not like producers can't respond to what's happening at immediate time with response to people. But like I said earlier, we're on to, you tune in because it's entertaining. You know, nobody tunes in to watch 15 quiet designers go through an easy sewing process and put a garment up. That's not as exciting, right? So if you're making good TV, my belief is, you're going to go further than the person who makes a strong garment and doesn't make good TV. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, for instance, and I have no, no way to confirm or deny, if you look at the first elimination from our season, he was you know, noted by Vogue as up and coming. He was very, very experienced with red carpet. You know, he was a very talented designer and his garment was impeccably finished. And he was the first to go, um, you know. Who, who was that? Was he quiet? He, was, he yeah. wanted to be my roommate. But um, yeah, he was, I mean, he, we all were kind of afraid of him. And when he came in, you know, he had a big, a big spiel. And it was like, you guys all ought to better watch out for me because I'm better than any of you and you're all going to be sorry. And that was the attitude. And that was the first to go. So, um, you know, his talent was definitely there. What, you know, I wasn't in the judges room, so I certainly don't know, but I made it, I made it to the top five and got to show up Brian Park. So I have no complaints. And what I got from it was, you know, recognition. And, and that's what I always wanted as a kid. I wanted that fame. And, you know, that, I guess it's that part of us that wants to be adored and feel loved. So, you know, that comes and what you don't expect is the hate that comes with it. And that's, you know, that's the double sword. That's the double-edged side. Were you so, like, let's talk about the fame for a minute. So, like you said, like, at the height of Project Runway, I mean, now we'll get into how it's changed. But, right, after season five, after Christian season, you experienced, like, you couldn't walk down the street. I mean, you have blue hair. People are like, holy shit, they're suede. Yeah. It, so I mean, that... I, you know, I, I mean, I had stalkers. I, you know, it went, it went pretty far. And I really? Yeah. I cannot imagine how these top A-list celebrity people do it all the time because it's quite honestly exhausting. And I come from the mindset that if somebody's taken time from their day to approach me, I deserve 
to give them that response and, and talk to them. I mean, I mean, they deserve a re, you know response. And sometimes I wish I hadn't because quite honestly, I had one guy come up and tell me about how much he hated me and blah, 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 because I spoke in third person. We were in an election year. It was the year Obama was running and the government was, you know, we were having a lot of issues. There were world issues. The economy was tanking. That was 2008. I did the first show. And to find that people actually had time to worry about what tense I spoke in and maybe even learn something because they didn't know what that meant speaking in third person. Um, it just amazed me that we had even concerns about that. Like, let's focus on things that are bigger. And that's shocking that someone said that to you. Because in my experience, people hate you online. And then when they come up to you, they want a picture and they want to kiss your ass. And I'm like, you're actually the same person that hates me online. I mean, I don't have any specific examples, but let me tell you, that's how it normally works. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how this particular situation ended. He, you know, it was all about how much he hated me and blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, he was like, you're really cool. Can I buy you a drink? And I was like, thanks. I'm good. Yeah. I'll buy my own drink. What, and then did you have all, because it was a different time with social media, but you still had all of that online hate or it was in person. Hate. I would say what hurt me the most, to be brutally honest, was what Hedda Lettuce did to me. Um, and it was, for her, it was just to see how much she could make it about her. I mean, all the designers were like, I can't believe how mean she's being to you. You know, and that's off camera. You don't hear any of that. And I was really hurt, you know? She accused me of being lazy and just anything she could get attention on. And, and this was on the show? Yeah, and you could okay. see part where I call her over and I say something. Well, after filming, um, I was getting ready to go out and I remember my phone started ringing quite a bit. And it was friends in New York telling me that Hedda Lettuce had just given a horrible interview to HX, which was like our Bible back then, right? Yes. And ripped me to shreds. And then there was a video on YouTube, which I hear is still there, where she did the exact same thing and just went off about me. And it broke me for that night. I got really sloppy drunk because I was so depressed. And I thought, you know what? Like, I got to let it go. I signed up for this game. But it was, it was hard because people feel the the freedom to forget that we have feelings and that, you know, maybe we are all about love and just rip us to whatever suits their needs to get themselves attention. And like, especially like head of lettuce, that's a big name, you know, like in the New York drag community, it's not like, right. you in know, like it's almost like, yeah. You don't want to, you know, find out. And HX was a huge magazine. Like everybody picked that up and, you know, instantly you're embarrassed. You're like, oh God, I can't go out. Somebody's going to read it. So you you get it. Yeah. So what was, so going back to the show, what is Tim Gunn like during the season? Like, tell me something. I loved him. I wish that he stayed in touch. I have not heard from him since the show. Saw him a couple times on red carpet and he's always super friendly, but he's such a unique and thoughtful guy you could literally talk to him about anything. And I, I believe they've changed the process more, but he used to get in the vans with us and ride to each challenge. So, you know, I'd sit next to him and we'd have a chat about, you know, many different things and very inspiring to me, very inspiring. Guy. So he was like, you interacted, like he was interactive, yeah. at least at that time. Yeah, he was there for all of us. Anything we'd be shocked to know about Tim Gunn or is he just exactly what I'm picturing? He's kind of what you see, you know, he's, um, he's, he's kind of just as nice as he seems. And, you know, if he's annoyed with something, he'll let you know. He's 
pretty shoots straight from the cuff and lets you have it. And, you know, if he's confused about something, he's great to help you think about, look at your garment and think of it in a different way. Um, because once you're, as you're working on something, obviously you're seeing it as you want it to be. And having his third eye come in and be like, no, nah, it's not really that. It, I found it helpful. Plus I adored him. So he could have probably told me anything and I'd be okay. What about the judges, Coors and Nina Garcia and Heidi? Like who was your favorite? Well, I would say Heidi, I always found her much quirkier than I thought she, you know, like you see her and you just think she's this really beautiful. She is freaking quirky as, as heck. And I love that about her. You know, she just burst into song or at the time she was with Seal. She'd start talking about Seal's penis, you know, so there was, she just would break the, break the mold and we'd be like, okay, yeah. Um, she was cool. I was afraid of um, Coors and Nina during the show. They both could be pretty harsh. Uh, but afterwards, Nina was wonderful. So, so lovely. I'd see her at events and um, she was so kind. So I, I like her, but Michael was not so great to me after the show. Um, I got asked to attend uh, an event with Kent State University and it was at one of his stores. One of his employees had passed and left a bunch of clothes to Kent State University's Fashion Museum and they asked me if I would attend with them to help accept it. And I said, is it okay with Michael? We were done filming, so it wasn't like there was anything there. He was so mean to me. The, um, the uppers at the university came up and apologized for having me go, it was so awkward. I, I felt terrible, but it was, you know, I guess I kind of expected that from him. Like what he saw, so you went to this, this was in New York, like at a store? At his store his flagship store in Fifth Avenue. And like, how was he mean? Like, it was kind of like this. Never said hi to me. <gasps> really, excuse me. Wow. Not, like, and you know, all these people who were there know him on a in, more intimate level. So they were excited to see me because they don't know me and I'm, you know, I'm kind of flavor of the minute. Um, and I got, I remember somebody asked me to go and speak out at one of the, high schools, I think, out on Long Island, and he was just mad. He was just mad. Um, I still did it, you know, but whatever. I'm glad I got under his skin. And then I think it was that summer he came out with a fragrance called Suede. And I was like, hmm, isn't that interesting? And he was pissed that, like, one of his employees was like, you know, you're Suede from Project Runway, come speak in Long Island. It was family. It was family who actually approached me. It wasn't even his employees. The store was closed. Wow. But, um, for the college to come in and accept that award. Why didn't he like you? I wonder. I mean, all I could think is he's such a big celebrity in his own right. And to be in a situation where he's not the shining star, even though he is, I, I don't know. He just was nasty to me. And I, I, I never forgave him for that. And I, I guess I probably won't because it's been over 10 years, right? <laughs> and Nina was nice to you after the fact. Nina was incredible. She was incredible. So she does her job on the show. You know, she tells you if she doesn't like it. She's, you know, she's very methodical and has a very strong sense of style. I, I can appreciate her better now. And okay, so let's go back. Don't think that that escaped me. Talk to me about Heidi Klum bringing up Seal's penis. Like, Give us some more, give me a little more information on that, please. <laughs> she just would start singing and then she'd say something about Seal's, you know, she's also got the earmuck in, so we don't know what's being said to her. So you got to kind of picture Heidi being fun and, you know, like as she is, and then all of a sudden being like, 
how do you say, and it would be a word that she didn't know how to say, and she'd repeat it, and then all of a sudden, Theo's penis is huge. She's <laughs> like, oh, well, I guess we might have guessed that, but oh, thanks. It was I, just crazy fun stuff. She was quirky. So she confirmed that Seal has a huge penis. Well, she said so. We didn't get any visuals, but... Uh, <laughs> Did yeah. Seal ever come around when you guys uh, were filming? that I saw. I mean, we, you know, we're on different floors, too. So the only floor we'd ever see them on was when we were on uh, the floor where we were judged, which elimination floor, judging floor, whatever you want to call, which was below. I remember she had to come up to the workroom for one of them, and she didn't even know where the workroom was. And Heidi wasn't a diva at all. No, no, no. She was, she was awesome. She, you know, um, the first night we met was on top of, I think, think it was whatever hotel you said. Yeah, uh, Atlas. The Atlas. We were on the top floor and we did champagne and uh, that was, you know, the first time we saw her. And it was, I mean, to see her, she's so beautiful, even more so than you see, you've met her, but even more so than she is on camera. It's like, how are you that freaking beautiful? It's like, it's got to be painful to be that gorgeous. Kind of, and to make it look so easy. Right, so effortless. Well, that's good, because you know, like, you you hear about, like, America's Next Top Model and, like, Tyra and what goes on behind the scenes, so that's, like, the whole atmosphere of runway. I mean, I know you guys didn't interact with the judges completely, but it was a casual atmosphere, like, no diva moments of, like, oh, wait, I hear Heidi and Coors screaming in the corner. Not that we saw, you know, they, they filmed the reactions, and then we were taken off stage, um, and, you know, you do see some of that on the show, but we weren't in that. We were backstage. So we never saw, I never saw any arguing. And it makes sense that you wouldn't be interacting with the judges. I mean, they're judges, so. <laughs> I mean, when I won that one with Natalie Portman, you know, it's like, you gotta hook us up. Come on. And then Did you- eliminated by LL Cool J. Sad I was eliminated, but it's LL Cool J. You know, you gotta be okay with that. Well, that's what I was going to ask also. Like, did you interact with any of, like, the guest judges, like a LL? Or, like, did they, like, the Natalie, like, did any of them come backstage and, you know? Brooke Shields came back, but we had something where we had to pitch to her. Um, but for the most part, no. Um, How was Brooke Shields? She's an icon. At least I, I consider. Yeah, I mean, total icon. Um, she was sweet. She was kind of like what, you you know, you see. I didn't have a whole lot of experience with her um i ended up on a team she didn't pick my idea so i was working with terry for that challenge um and i think we were safe it was okay you know i didn't have a lot of experience with brooke though because she was more on stage and since we were safe we didn't have to really talk about it so it's always a a good feeling when you don't have to worry in the top or bottom seriously were you ever shocked like after the show came out like where someone at like a Brooke Shields level or just any celebrity came up or just reached out to you on social media and knew who you were and you're like you know who I am yes I had two good ones that I can speak to the first one was I was asked to dress Amuka who sings Appreciate Me it's a very big club song you probably know it uh at KTU's Beatstock so I had been introduced to her through Brian Kent. He was taking me out to the uh, concert, which was out on Long Island. And uh, as we're getting onto the highway, a ton of girls in their car recognized me and started freaking out and screaming suede. Now we're on the highway and I was, he's like, oh, I've never seen that, right? So I kind of was feeling good from that. I get to Beatstock, I'm dressing a mocha, walking around backstage because I have backstage access. And I see Nicole from Pussycat Dolls. 
I'm like, oh, I've got to say hi. I wanted to give her my card, but she's in head to toe line. Also, there's clearly nowhere to give it to her. So I go to walk up to her and her bodyguard comes flying out and almost knocks me over. She pushes his hand away and says, shut up, suede. No one told me you were going to be here. And I literally was like, what? You know, like the fact she knew who I was and I was just like, oh, I'm a huge fan. I can't wait to see you guys tonight. You know, I'll be here if you need anything. And then the next exciting one that happened was I got contacted by uh, an apparel manufacturer in the industry. Uh, and he asked if I would head up Paris Hilton jeans and sportswear. So we had been in a licensing agreement uh, to take that licensing deal, flew out to Los Angeles, met with Paris in her house with her dad, her manager. She just brought her dog from Tokyo. She put him in her pocket named Baby Bear. And um, she knew who I was. She, you know, she asked me questions. If we were in the same room. It was pretty weird. How was, I mean, I've met Paris, but how is Paris? Paris is like, I love her. She's a queen. She's a queen. She is a smart girl. You know, listen, you you can't say she's a dumb blonde. That's one thing you cannot say. She is a smart girl and has her stuff together. And she knows how, you know, she knows how the industry works. Were you anything about Paris that would shock us? I mean, she's very nice. She's down to earth. No, I think the only thing that I, like, like I said, we were meeting with her, her dad and the team. I just, for me, I was like, it was a little weird because there's a lot of naked pictures of her around. And I'm thinking, how would I do that if it was like my dad? And I was just, you know, my dad's no longer around, but I was like, I don't think I'd be able to have like a meeting with nude paintings of myself all around. I was going to say the, the pictures were on the wall of her naked. Yeah. Yeah. Like in her house. That's how it's decorated. Yeah. You got to love that. She's gorgeous. She has a replica of her house in the backyard for her uh, puppies. So it's a, her puppy replica. <laughs> yeah. No, Paris is, and Nic- Nicole Scherzinger, well, that's a good one too. Yeah, those were both two good ones. How do you think, so you mentioned like Project Runway isn't respected in the industry, like that's the case, that's the case? In my opinion, yes. I, I think, if you think about it, I mean, fashion is a business. What Project Runway does, it elevates us to another level. You still have that creative energy but you also have a recognition which not a lot of brands are willing to give you know somebody that face time so for instance all the time I was at Jordash you know insiders knew it was me but no one else did I launched FUBU with Jordash who would have thought a white guy was working on FUBU you know so it's like it gave us that extra step but then at the same time while it gives you that ability to possibly be more than just a behind the scenes designer does it open up, let's say, if Levi wants to hire you, are they going to hire you as just a designer? And is that enough for your ego? Are you willing to take that? A lot of us aren't because now we feel like we are a brand. So um, it worked all well in my favor. I was in 4,000 stores before I ended up closing my fashion brand. That's really a lot. Did I, you ever, right? I mean, like, did you ever hear of someone not getting a job because of how they were portrayed on Project Runway? Like, you know, like this person went up for a job and, oh, it's you and you did this on the show? I can't think of any specific instances. Um, I'm really good friends with Joshua McKinley, who's also from Ohio. And he was, you know, portrayed as kind of evil. And he's not. He's the sweetest guy. Um, He probably could speak to that better, but he doesn't have a problem with quipping back if somebody says something that, you know, is out of line. 
he'll let you know. I come from a more uh, conservative standpoint where I realize it's business. If somebody says something I don't like, I, I generally try not to get too wrapped up in it. I agree. I'm the same way. Yeah. Like, just listen to my podcast. You can tell me how much you hate me, but just listen. Um, well, then you go back for All-Stars, Project Only All-Stars. I imagine, was there any part of you that says, no, I've already done this? Every part of me said no. Uh, I had just entered into a licensing agreement on my own brand. Uh, and I was licensed with Simplicity Creative Group, selling my own patterns, as well as Springs, uh, Carolina Springs Fabric Manufacturing. And I was just about to launch my own fabric line. Now, when we got to set on, on runway, the hotel that they put us in was scary. It was like an S&M hotel in Midtown. I don't ask me to remember the name of it because I never will. There were rumors. This did not happen to me, but there were rumors that several of the castmates got bed bugs. Um, when we got there, they only asked for uh, passports from certain cast members. So we kind of all were like, oh, they didn't ask us for a passport. I think we're in trouble. Um, it wasn't with Bravo, you know, it was with Lifetime. Um, I was limited very early on. I was, it was not the right time for me. I was in a very toxic relationship at the time. And um, in hindsight, it wouldn't have, I shouldn't have done it. Um, the pressures externally from my management company to my licensees was, hey, listen, even if you're the first one to go, get your name back out there, do it. And that was kind of the thought process that was swirling around me. Um, did I do any great work on there? Probably not. <laughs> was my mind in it? Probably not. You know, the, the, the person I was seeing ended up getting wrapped up in methamphetamines, was living in my house up in New York, upstate New York. So I was being called off set to take these phone calls that you couldn't really even have because he was so twisted. And literally, as soon as I got out of uh, filming and I got back up to the mountains, he got arrested for trying to kill me. And it was, you know, trauma that I, I think I still haven't dealt with fully to this day, but it wasn't, it wasn't a great experience for me. And, you know, for a lot of different reasons, a lot of personal reasons that just the timing wasn't right for me, but um, Hey, the day I got eliminated, I got a $2.5 million order from Joanne Fabrics on my brand. So that's not bad. Right. So. Did you notice differences between, you know, now it's at lifetime versus Bravo? Other than the hotel? From standpoint, yeah. It, they were so, so on point for, uh, for Bravo and really cared about us as a person as opposed to just being, you know, whatever personality you were, whatever reason they wanted you there to bring the numbers in. Um, it, was, it was night and day, um, the two different sides. With Bravo being better? I would work with Bravo and the Magical Elves again anytime. What about the judges this time, Georgina Chapman and Isaac? Who'd you, who'd you like? Um, I didn't have an issue with anybody, really. I mean, it was kind of, when you got up on stage, it wasn't as cut and dry as it was the first time. They'd say great things about your stuff and bad things. So you really didn't know which way you were going. It was almost like it felt to me like you could go either way. They could save you. They could eliminate you. When we did it the first time, you really kind of knew on stage, it wasn't a deviation of, well, this is great, but this isn't, you know, it was kind of like, this is off, this is off, this is off. What were you thinking? Uh, so it was two different methods, but, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for Isaac. You know, I watched the documentary back when I was in school and 
had always, you know, aspired to have that type of uh, following and business. And, you know, he, you know, he's, he's, he's a very talented individual. Georgina, I'll be honest, I didn't know a whole lot about her prior to, you know, her, her pairing up with the Weinsteins and, um, you know, she, she was fine though. She, I didn't really have any issue with anybody judge wise. Isaac wasn't as bitchy as Coors. Well, Isaac fills a place, you know, and Isaac filled that place to organically be what Michael was. People are used to a certain setting in it, you know, hence us trying to get this gorgeous, you know, girl to be the, the um, moderator, you know, and, um, I can't, we had Caroline, Carolina, I can't even remember her last name, but, uh, we had, we were the year before they brought in Alyssa Milano. Um, and I love Alyssa. I think she did a great job, although I don't know how they style her on that show. Thinking like you don't get the outfits that they choose for her. Do you? No. Yeah, I was going to say. No. Gonna to go I mean. We're going to have to have a drop card and look at them together. I mean, I'm obsessed with Charmed. I'm obsessed with Who's the Boss, and I'm obsessed with Melrose Place. So, I mean, Alyssa has made some, has been in some of my favorites. Did you watch Insatiable yet? You know what? I don't, it like went over my head. I, I don't understand. People love it. I know. I, the, two, the one guy favors you. I mean, I like, listen, I, I would watch, oh, and I loved Mistresses, the one season Alyssa yeah. was on it, but it was a great show. I mean, I just love Alyssa, so I get yeah, it. I do too. But I, was, I think Insatiable I, is canceled now, I think. I but it but was, I mean, she was adorable in it. I just was like, okay, maybe I need to watch this and pay closer attention because I don't get it. Huh. Like, let me put it this way. I never would have watched it if it wasn't for Alyssa, but I would watch anything, even if I hated it, as long as Alyssa Milano's in it. So I get yeah, it. I have a friend like that. She's straight and she's obsessed with Alyssa. She's like, I would give everything up to be with Alyssa. I'm like, but you like men. And she's like, doesn't matter. I love Alyssa. <laughs> There's something about her. I mean, did you ever see, because of Georgina, like, did you ever see Harvey Weinstein, like, on set or no? Oh, yeah, I met Harvey. Um, the day we showed it, uh, Brian Park, he brought his kids back to introduce us, you know. How was he? To the circus. You know. Nah. He was he was Harvey, you know. I mean, I never had a lot of direct reaction with him, um, which I'm glad. But I will tell you that um as my business was doing really well, there was a lot of pushback from uh, the Weinstein, particularly the Project Runway brands, to take my space in terms of patterns and fabric which really disappointed me. They filmed that whole kids show, used all my fabrics, never once gave me mention, never once asked me to guest judge, nothing. Wait, which show? When they did Project Runway Junior. Oh, okay. And Fabrics was one of the sponsors and that was when my fabrics were full, full on there. Would have been a perfect, you know, fit because I was already selling fabrics to them and not even as much as a call out on those fabrics, which to me was, you know, listen, at the end of the day, Harvey's out for Harvey. He doesn't care about any of us. And it just was a little disheartening to me. And I, I don't want to go down a, you know, a, bad, a sad rabbit hole, but I just don't think any of us get the support that, you know, you see RuPaul's Drag Race and you see a lot of those queens being lifted up by the producers, by RuPaul himself, you know, 
it did not happen for, for many of us. Yeah, Christian Siriano gets, you know, front page. I could tell you from a Leanne standpoint, who I've been best friends with her since that show, they have never shown up at any of her runway shows. She showed every fashion week up until virus hit. And then she said, I'm not doing it anymore. And um, I think that's sad when you have people who have won and they don't get the support from these personalities that could literally make a difference in our careers. Well, that's what I was going to say too. Just like the, what's the word? I guess like the sorority of Project Runway, like the brotherhood. I mean, is there this other than Christian, who do they really favor? Like who do they show up for? Uh, Cause I don't I know. Ando got it for a bit. You know, I, I know he, uh, who? Ando. Okay. Yeah. I think he did for a while. And I think even Michael Costello, you know, he was on dressing a lot of those sheiks on that show. I don't, I'm, I'm bad with reality TV. Don't hate me. Um, although I, I do don't hate you. Seeing, I almost fell over when I saw you with Cher. Can we talk? Well, I <laughs> Cher's in a different category. Yes, we we bow down to the house of Cher. Wow. Well, like for me, it's Cher and Madonna, and you're never. I will never have a picture with Madonna, so I'm just gonna. Bums. I talked about Madonna the whole season. Nothing. Never reached out. Nothing, and she was. And is still an inspiration to this day, but I kind of thought like something. And then this is funny. Um, it was probably about six, nine months after the show. Um, Macy's was launching the line with Lourdes. Uh, I can't, I think it was called. Something. Material Girl. Yes. And they were looking for a creative director. And I applied and I wrote this brilliant cover letter. Do you know, they never even called me. I was like, wow. that would have been perfect for this. Like, Hello, I never took them on, you know, like. Well, that would have been a great job, yes. And it would have been a great PR fit, too. I mean, oh, well, missed I'm, opportunity, Madge, missed opportunity. I mean, are those some of your, like, inspirations, Madonna? Madonna was kind of how I got through life, you know, realizing as a young kid that you're not like everybody else, that, you know, something fuchsia isn't just something fuchsia, it is something spectacular, shiny, and, you know, tool and shimmy shine, all those kind of things. Um, you know, there was a line from Devil Wears Prada where uh, Stanley says something about being that kid who looked at the magazine late at night under the sheets. And, you know, that there is something to that where I looked at Vogue's and it gave me a feeling, even my fashion books or even reading uh, the New York press and, you know, all those things just kind of gave me hope as a kid. And Madonna was definitely one of those. Cindy Lauper, Cher, you know, all these people that you've got to have up there on the closet doors when I see you next time. I'm all about Cindy, Cher, and Madonna. I have no problems with any. Boy George, I mean, I could keep going. We could. Were you shocked, like, just having met, like, Harvey Weinstein, like, when all of that happened? Well, that all came after, you know? I mean, yeah. I... I my interaction with Harvey was literally at Bryant Park in the tents, meeting his daughters who were probably eight to 10, maybe at the time. So, I mean, instantly my thoughts went to the kids when all that went down. I can't imagine how I would feel or how I would internalize that if that were my father and those allegations were coming out against him. I never had any awkward you know, moments in a room with him. Um, but it, it's sad and it does happen out there. We know it happens out there, you know. And, you know, Rose McGowan said, if you see it, shame it, call it out. 
And that's what we really have to do to keep everybody safe. But I think not to take this political, but with what's happened, it's, it's okay to hate again. And we have to remember we're all in the, the same thing together. And we want to lift everyone up. And my rights should be no different than the rights of the person next door. And I think that's what we all really want right now is just in this country, some happiness and peace and love for everyone. That's, that's really what I want. I would think that we, that is what we need right now. What about, you know, because so from the show, the one name that stands out is Christian Siriano. Like, so that begs the, to me, the question, like, you know, not even just Project Runway, but like all these reality shows, like American Idol, I think of Carrie Underwood and I think of Kelly Clarkson and that's, kind of it i have some others maybe you know like do you think it's a saturated market now like do you think project runway like do you think project runway could do for someone what it did for christian siriano now like a hundred seasons later well i think there's a lot that maybe we don't know you know like i i I heard rumor if it's true or not that weinstein helped christian after the show which wouldn't surprise me um i think unless you have a mega powerhouse taking you on that tour i think the 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 likelihood of being a leanne marshall of being a gretchen of being a jay mccarroll one of these people who are super talented in one how do they get to that higher level um you know i wanted to try to start my own import brands after i did the show and i was meeting with investors everywhere we were pitching for a five million dollar startup as an import company and that's not making a lot of money. And it, you know, the trouble is, is with, with apparel manufacturing specifically right now, the brick and mortar stores are going. So everything's online. Um, you're competing with these mammoths like Amazon to try to get a garment made. If you want to try to do it domestically, you're going to be paying $25 more than what this import product's coming in. We all as Americans may say, yeah, 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 I want it made domestic. You know, I want to support the U.S. But when you go and you see those two prices, which one are you going to opt for? The T-shirt that's $25 more or the one that's, you know, $20 and you get two of them? I mean, we, we are very commercialized that way and we don't want to spend our money when we don't have to. We're very much about disposable clothing in this country. So it really creates a, a tough environment for retail. And where did you hear this rumor that Christian got help from Harvey Weinstein? It's kind of like just kind of floating out there. A lot of the other designers say, oh, well, you know, he got backed by Philip Morris because he went through Harvey Weinstein. I I don't know. I don't know that. I mean, I'm not friendly with Christian. He was um, clearly I was not one of his favorite people. He uh, had some nice things to say about me and is what it is, you know, so I don't I don't chase after that kind of energy. Is no, we we like positive energy. Yeah. Is there like, do you think like a jealousy amongst the other winners towards him? Or, I mean, well, listen, we're all jealous. We all would like to be Christian. He, you know, he's very talented and he's very well supported by the media, and that you know helps grow business immensely. So, for anyone to you know say that they don't have maybe a little bit of jealousy that they don't get that, I would think it, they're maybe not being fully honest, but. Um, yeah, he is the one that we all remember and had to be somebody, might as well be him. He was young, very entertaining. We all watched that season and, you know, fears, you know, and then Saturday Night Live spooked him, you know? Right. So, do you, do you watch Project Runway now? I do not. 
I mean, it's changed, you know, it's- you know, I'll watch RuPaul's Drag Race because it's kind of, you know, it's kind of the same thing, but more entertaining now, right? And, um, you know, like those, those performers on RuPaul's can come off that show and get a manager and they can book them in 10 clubs and make a, you know, a nice pocketful for everyone. What do you do with the designer? You're not going to send us to, you know, a club to sew 10 garments. That's not happening in a night. So it's a little bit different. You know, we are a very different breed of reality personality because we're not singers. We can't go in somewhere and belt out five songs and make a hundred thousand. We can't go somewhere and sew 10 garments, five garments in, you know, an evening. So it's a little bit more of a, a, a stretch as to what do you do with the talent that actually creates apparel. Right. And same thing with like the singers from Idol. I think like underestimated in the beginning, I, I think somehow RuPaul's Drag Race is one of the winners of reality TV. I agree with you 100%. I mean, I have recently sat down with many of the girls from the show, like one after another. And, these girls. Well, you know what it is too, what I think it's like, there is drama, but it's not. It's not like housewives or it's like people love drag queens. Like it's, it is uplifting. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, there's really not a lot of drama, like hateful drama on drag race and you don't yeah. need it. People tune in for the happiness of the queens. Right. And all the beautiful colors and, you know, sparkle and dazzle and rest. And then they could easily get booked afterwards and have a career. So I think somehow. Yeah, you get it. You get what I'm saying. What do you do with the designer? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's like the designer needs to go to work. Yeah. So were you like devastated when your line, like when you shifted, like now you're in real estate, was that like a hard change for you or do you miss design? I think the hardest thing for me was mom was sick. And um, what had happened is I had come back to surprise her for a birthday, which was in October, had a wonderful celebration. She started falling after that. I was at the gym out here and she called and she's like, I just fell. I think you might want to come home. I'm thinking, oh, it can't be that bad. She called me, right? I come home and there's like literally blood all over the bathroom. She cracked her head out, you know, and I knew at that moment, all right, the time of her being able to be alone all the time is, is slowly closing that window. Um, so I had to make a decision really quick. This was all around the time that I was hearing that Runway wanted to get more into patterns and fabrics because it was under the Suede Says brand. Um, and I had to make a decision. And my mom gave up her career. She was a physicist. She quit that. She was one of the first women physicists, had her own patents, worked at Union Carbide. She gave that up to have me and my brother. And for me, I was that close to her that it didn't matter. I was like, I will give up my career for her any day. So I just kind of accepted it with um, as much pride, I guess, as you can. And it, yeah, you feel like a failure. Yeah, you feel terrible. But I knew mom was more important for me. And um, I set my mountain house up so I could have guests come and go and I could treat it as a you know, second home. And I made Ohio my home and cared for her until the very end. And then it took me about two years to come out of that depression. But uh, I would do it all over again to be there with her through the end. She was my everything. And I got a lot of special moments, red carpet with her when we did the runway finale in Los Angeles. You know, there's not a lot of people who could say they did that with their mom, and I can't. Was she like, oh my God, like, you're, you're so Hollywood? 
yes, she was, she was thrilled. She came to New York to see me show at Fashion Week and, uh, you know, we're just walking down the street, I'm holding her hand and girls are screaming, I love you, Swade. Somebody threw their bra at me, you know, and she was like, you know, she, see, you know, she, my mom was older. She, there was a double generation gap. So she had seen this stuff with like Beatles and stuff, but to her, it was, you know, it was like, this is a, my little baby. People are like screaming to him. And it was, it was, I loved it. I love to be able to share that with her. I miss her every day. Well, and like not to be too morbid, but it's true what they say, like we're the children. And then when you get older, your parents become the children. Like it's, that's, that's what happens. It's true. Like that's yeah. just how it works. Do you love doing real estate? Oh my God. I love it. I didn't know if I was right. So um, last year on my birthday on December 19th, I was getting ready to go out and grab something to make myself a little adult cocktail, open my garage and all this water starts flowing in and I was like well that's unusual so I go and I look out the water main at my neighbor's house burst and is shooting out about six feet out of the ground took the city of Cleveland over six hours to fix that by which time my basement had taken on water insurance came and said uh, we're gonna have to test these tiles they look like asbestos sure enough they were asbestos so I'm thinking I I'm trying to start a new career I have no idea how I'll do in real estate so I guess I'm going to turn the basement into my bedroom because I have a really nice upstairs and I'll live down there, rent out the upstairs and at least have some money coming in if I'm not doing well in real estate. Well, then the virus hit, didn't it? So it's like, well, that's not happening. So I just started focusing on work and I'm already over a $4 million agent since March. Wow. Pretty unheard of. I have a funded myself to do this amazing walkout deck. I don't know that you can see much of it, but you see out there? Yeah, I could so see it. That's my expansion. And it goes down to another terrace where there's a pool um, and a jacuzzi. And uh, so I'm just doing all this addition for me because it makes me feel better. And I'm not doing the basement because I'm doing well in real estate. And now I'm going about it the way I want to, as opposed to what I thought I had to do by renting out the house because nobody wants renters in your house during this. Well, so, and it's like $4 million in Ohio. So just putting that in perspective, that makes it even more impressive. It's not New York where it's like two right, deals yeah. or one deal. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. Well, see, now you don't watch reality TV, but I'm telling you, you need to watch Million Dollar Listing LA, New York, and you need to watch Selling Sunset. There's a market. We could definitely sell something to them because we, we, have, we have a special thing going on. Seriously, listen, you you and I are going to talk off air. Yeah, and very New York will get us all set up. Seriously. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? I always like to give people a chance at the end. Anything I didn't address? Gosh, I have a scholarship. Do you know about that? No. So I have a lifetime endowment at Kent State University. So every year, a senior design student, I will go through the collections and I will give them a at least the thousand dollar scholarship that helps their dreams go into reality. I didn't have that when I graduated from there. So I endowed that, I think it was in 2001, I believe. How does that work? Like they choose you or? Um, well, I get like the scholarship. scholarship. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, a bunch of money and said, I want to be involved in selecting who the winner is. Oh, and wow. Seniors, any senior can apply. 
and I go through the photos. I usually do it with Miss Leanne Marshall and we talk about the collections and then one of them gets the money and you know, they use it for whatever they want. If it's their down payment to get an apartment, whatever, you know, and it's not, it's not the end all it's a thousand dollars. Let's be honest. That's, you know, for a, a new student starting in this industry, it, it helps, but it's not everything. But that's still nice of you. You didn't need to do that. I did not need to, but I do feel that um, I'm able to stand in front of a boardroom. I am able to be a very eloquent speaker because I had went to Kent State. You know, it taught me all the right things to do. So um, I've always been able to go to Walmart, stand in front of the buyers, present the collection, sound like I know what I'm talking about, and have a very thoughtful process as to how you buy this collection out, merchandises. I think those are things that separate me as a, a Kent State graduate versus many of the other colleges out there. And, you know, Kent is climbing its way up every year. We're getting more and more recognition. They have a branch in New York. Um, they do partnerships with all these programs across the, the world, really. Uh, so it, for me, it was the right thing to do. And then I got endowed into their uh, Hall of Fame and I was supposed to get my second Hall of Fame award this weekend, but due to the virus, we postponed that. So I was getting inducted into the Seven Hills uh, Hall of Fame. So that would have been my second one. Wow. So that's probably one of the things I wanted to talk about that I'm proud of, that I'm able to give back to students. Yeah, that's amazing. And like, listen, $1,000 to an 18-year-old goes far. Yeah, or it should. <laughs> you know, so that's amazing. Well, you need to keep in touch on where can everyone find you on Instagram? SuedeSays.com. Suede says everything. S-U-E-D-E-S-A-Y-S. I will slip into your DMs and say hi. I'll keep you posted on everything. Yes. Thank you for appreciating my picture with Cher and understanding how, how treasured it is. Your beautiful eyes, they're all good. I was wondering if I was going to get frames today. Now, you know what it is? Well, now that I have frames here, but it's because there's something going on with my eyes during COVID. I don't know what's going on. I've been working like a dog myself that like, I just, it's too close up now for frames. So I don't know. COVID is destroying well, all of us. I do like those frames on you though. I did. I, so when I do this, I do no frames, but normally I wear frames, but like it's I, too close up for some I reason. I have a different name with those glasses. I'm not sure. Do you know how many pairs of glasses I have? I have to, I'll have to. I started counting on mine. I saw there were a few. I was going to bring mine and share them because I thought you might like them. They have little rainbowies on the Oh, side. I like that. I, I literally should have a different name for every pair of glasses I wear. Just like Moira Rose. No, yes. don't get along. Don't put them next to each other. Seriously. So listen, this has been so entertaining, Suede. Loved hearing about Project Runway. Loved hearing about you. Keep in touch, for real. Yeah, I really, this has been a great chat. Everyone, follow Suede and keep in touch. Follow David. Love you. Love you. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, 
We're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.